0: and rainy outside, but it is the height of spring, at least when it comes to the sporting season. We got a lot of spring sports to talk about today. Welcome in. It's Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television, or maybe you got the new ESPN Montana app. No matter how you're tuning in, thanks for being here. Coulter Nuwana's coming to you through the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Go check out Northwest Motorsport online, nwmsrocks.com, that's N W msrocks.com. Like always, a ton to get to. It's a Wednesday, so that means it's a Wing It Wednesday. We've been doing this about 445, but we're going to move it up a little bit today because we have book-ended interviews. We'll get the show started with the guy from Missoula Sentinel. It's our senior spotlight, Chase Williams, in studio with us. And uh, then we're going to have Lyle Weiss, the head coach for the Montana State Bobcats, here uh, on the show in segment number three. So we'll have Wing It Wednesday right in the middle, so stay tuned for that. 430, we're going to give you uh, a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill, uh, courtesy of the Despo. And uh, so about 4.30. Remember, 406 888 Also, a Sentinel-heavy show because Chase, an outstanding athlete at Missoula Sentinel, and uh, Craig Mettler, the outstanding head coach for the Sentinel track team, he'll be with us at the top of the hour for our ESPN roundtable. Sentinel, they got themselves a little dynasty going and tracked three straight boys state championships at the class AA level. Uh they are they're gunning for that excuse me, two in a row, but they're gunning for their third straight. And uh, the girls, they've won two out of the last three. They're gunning for their third in four years. So we'll talk to Craig about the upcoming double A meet this weekend in Butte. And then about five thirty, I mean, I know it's it's dreary, it's a little bit drizzly. I hope it's I, I actually hear it's supposed to get better. Uh the Jack Weatherman told me today that uh About 6.37 o'clock, we actually have maybe a temperature spike, some of the highest temperatures of the day. So uh, big show out at the Kettle House Amphitheater tonight. I'm going to that one. It's also the opening night, though, of the Missoula Paddleheads. So about 5.30, we're going to talk all things baseball here as well. And then we'll roll you right into that Paddleheads debut. Jeff Safford, voice of the Paddleheads, will be on the call. And uh, the first of 92, that's right, 92 games in the next 105 days that we'll have here on ESPN Radio. So excited to be the official affiliates of the Missoula Paddleheads once again. So there you go. That's your show for today, your Wednesday. The show Outlook brought to you by Brent Wahlberg and the Wahlberg team. Wahlberg team, the official realtors of Grizz Athletics. Any questions you might have in the real estate world in western Montana, give Brent and his team a call today. Senior Spotlight, one of my favorite things we do around here. We always wait until the end of the academic year. And then we highlight some of the best of the best, whether it's uh, male or female athletes from around the state of Montana. The guy who joins me now, Chase Williams, the heart and soul of the Sentinel football team in the last couple of years. Also, a great basketball player. Uh, but more importantly, the first guy I've ever talked to in my whole life that's going to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. It's amazing, man. I'm sure that you've probably gotten this a lot. But... Uh, You can sit here and talk about dreaming about wanting to go to a school like this, but this is, like, big time, man. It's not often the guys from Montana get to go out east and go study at a prestigious school like this. So um, just tell the people all about how you kind of got involved with them because uh, a unique opportunity to be sure, I'm sure, one you're very excited about.
1: Yeah. So I guess the process started um, going to some camps back east. I met some of their coaches um, and connected right away with them and then went and toured campus. Uh, eventually their coaches gave me an an offer of admission support and i filled out the application was fortunate to get in and then you know going out and taking uh a visit later in the year with people on campus i just loved everything out there you know uh the people and all the opportunities there's just so much going on and great atmosphere
0: well you were a great player at sentinel uh especially on the football field i know you got some interest recruiting in the state to some of the frontier schools were coming at you so um, I mean, a lot of guys from Montana love staying and playing in Montana. So, take us through kind of the recruiting process because it's also very different when a Division three school like MIT gets in the mix, right? Because there is no athletic scholarships, but they're also not going to recruit a guy that can't hang on the football field but also can't hang in the classroom. So, there's kind of some logistics to go into it. But to start, you know, kind of when you first started to get recruited by Montana schools and otherwise.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I talked to Montana Tech and, you know, the Grizz here a lot, and I know. Uh, I mean, my brother played for the Grizz. I know a lot of people on their staff, and uh, our old D coordinator, Coach Anderson, is over at Tech, and those are great programs. But ultimately, you know, just looking at MIT and what they had to offer, uh, you know, just academically and so much uh, research, entrepreneurship, there's just so many things going on there that'll help set me up for life, and that's what helped me out.
0: Well, that's the craziest part about uh, going to some of these super elite academic institutions, right? Like the Ivy League schools, MIT, um, the, the military academies, You know, out on the West Coast, schools like UC Davis. So many of the people, I mean, you're not going to really make any friends that aren't going to be really successful, right? So, I mean, are you excited about that element? Because it's going to be kind of different. I mean, I know there's a lot of great students at Sentinel. There's a lot of smart high school kids in the state of Montana. But you're going to be surrounded by you know kind of the best of the best. That's going to be a different experience for you, but that's probably something you're excited about.
1: Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, couldn't be more excited to go and meet people with high aspirations who are you know intelligent but really ambitious about their their academic goals, their career goals, and also people interested in working hard and playing football, too.
0: The Senior Spotlight, presented in part by McElmurray Homes for high-quality custom residential construction in Missoula, Call McElmurray Homes. McElmurray Homes has been in business since 2003. Blaine McElmurray hires only the best subcontractors and specialized staff. They are committed to offering quality customer service, quality products, and the best prices throughout a project. We're going to come back to uh, the future, but let's talk about your senior year of high school. This is what we like to highlight is, is some of the best of the best in athletic performances, and it was an incredibly special run for Missoula set all these last two years. Uh, you didn't lose a varsity football game as a junior or a senior. That's pretty fun. So just take us through this last year, though, because I know two years ago you guys had—I mean, you guys were stacked. You guys had an incredibly talented team, and you just rolled through people. This last year took a lot more grit to get it done, but you still went undefeated. So how were you guys able to put it together?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, way more close games last year. Um, it was super tight competition across the state. But you know, we have a great coaching staff who is obviously great from the schematics. Part of things, but also really focused on getting a tight team that you know loves and trusts each other. And then when we're in those close games and the chips are on the table, you know we could trust each other to make those plays and step up and give your all-out effort on a fourth-down play or whatever it may be. And you know it it just all came together because of what we worked on.
0: 2020, you guys didn't get tested at all until the state championship game. But then it was a knockdown dragout. And it was so interesting in 2020 because there was no east-west crossover, so Billings West and Missoula Sentinel were basically on this collision course. Then you have this great game. For you guys that were juniors on that team, though, do you think that kind of set the tone for being able to win close games? Because you guys then kind of repeated that same game like five times the next year, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, yeah, I think that was our really our only one possession game, and then we had probably four or five this year that were coming down to the wire, so Getting that experience was definitely a good thing coming into the next year.
0: What have been the key factors to, to help help and make this happen? Because you know, Sentinel went from a program that was largely irrelevant on the AA level to then the, the group that kind of came before you started chipping away and, and making Sentinel competitive, and then you start making the playoffs like Mitch Roberts' years, the last couple years he was there, who's now uh, with the Grizzlies, and then you, you make it you start winning playoff games and then you know it's just incremental building but how do you guys do it I mean what was you think the key for your group to kind of put uh, Sentinel over the top for the first time in a long time
1: right well we, we did have a lot of great athletes which definitely helped but I think it all starts at the top with the staff and Coach Oliver never likes to take credit but uh, honestly, isn't that he, the truth he, he gives it up to you guys all the time yeah he's he's never going to get enough credit for, for sure how much he's done for this program and He's put such a great staff together, you know, Coach Tennyson, Prangy, Mott's, those are our defensive guys. A yeah. bunch of offensive guys that are super qualified, have so much experience and they wanna coach for him because he he creates such a great environment.
0: It's so interesting talking to you guys too, because a lot of what the Sentinel program has become is very college like. And I've been so impressed with All you guys and your football IQs, it seems like watching film and studying away from the field has become such a high priority, and they talked about you a lot, like just how much you love just kind of breaking this stuff down, so how much do you think that sort of implementation of of that discipline of the game helped you as a football player?
1: Oh yeah, it's huge. I mean, we got obviously the coaches who can teach it great, but then at that point, us as players have to take it upon ourselves to go and watch film, put in the extra work, you know, coach up the younger kids is a huge part because that's when the program the program really gets rolling is when the older kids are helping the younger kids and then like you said, it can sort of become a college program where we're able to do things at a higher level.
0: Chase Williams joining us here in studio, a Missoula Sentinel senior, part of our senior spotlight, highlighting some of the best prep athletes from across the state of Montana. You're listening to ESPN Radio. It is new on as now um The group of guys too, it's very interesting. Your guys' class, you know, the, the class before you, a tight knit group as well. But it seemed like your guys' group was just so tight knit and uh, so many multi sport athletes. You guys, are, it seems like you guys love to compete. So I mean, did is that true? I mean, do you guys just sort of thrive off of each other? It seems like you guys have a pretty special bond.
1: For sure. I mean, we're, we're a very competitive group, whether it's playing football or basketball or track right. or ping pong or video games. Like <laughs> right. literally anything you can imagine. it Stuff gets competitive. We like to talk trash to each other. Our practices were super competitive uh-huh. going against each other. And that translates to the games because you create that sense of vulnerability where you're willing to go at each other. And then when you're going at another team, it's even better.
0: That's why I'm so excited to watch this upcoming track meet uh, this weekend too in Butte because uh, like last year, the guy like Zach Cruz, he wasn't projected to to go out and win a bunch of events, and then he did go out and win a bunch of events. I'm also interested to see Drew Clough because you know the future Montana Grizzly, he lost in the hurdles in the, the divisionals this last weekend for the first time in a long time. He never gets beat in the long hurdles, but as Coach Metler will tell you here in a little while on Nuana's now. That's good thing, because it might actually motivate him. But uh, those guys, you know, they just have such a, a winner's mentality. It seems like when they get that little extra edge, it's, it's even better. So uh, you must have loved, particularly those two guys, but just the group. It seems like you guys really thrived off of that element, too.
1: Yeah, for sure. That was going to track meets. That's probably my favorite part is watching Zach and Drew run the 110s against each other because one of them's got to lose, and they're not right. going to like that. Right. Totally. <laughs> they get pretty fired up. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, throughout the whole crew, um, we had a pretty deep class of seniors this year, and there's just a really competitive spirit throughout it.
0: Let's uh, circle back then to the basketball season. I know it was sort of an up-and-down year for you guys, but uh, you guys had such an interesting group because it was was like a group of great athletes that were all playing their second-best sport, right? Like all these other guys are going to go play college football or run college track or whatever it might be. And uh, just interesting to watch. But uh, first of all, just talk about your mentality on the basketball court because you and I got a little little in common. We're both short guys that had to play in the post, right? It's not an easy task when you got to go guard the guy six inches taller than you. Uh, But, I mean, how did you fall into that role? And what did you think of just uh, trying to approach it? Because it seemed like you had to be a little crafty down there to hang with some of the big boys.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, football is obviously my main sport. But I've loved basketball for a long time. Um, I still do, like, volunteer coaching and stuff. For basketball um and that's what playing in the post helps a lot because i i like to study the game i sure. like to watch it on tv watch film watch new plays uh techniques whatever it may be and so that gives me a little edge to be able to survive down there
0: have you been watching the nba playoffs
1: oh for sure well,
0: who's uh who's your guys in the nba Or do it's you have the, a team the heat, the heat oh, of my team. Yeah, see, uh, that makes sense because you're, you're kind of a cerebral guy you like to study the game this is what we've been talking about. Andrew and I have been talking about this on the show for a bunch. The Heat get no respect because they don't play like the modern style of the NBA where they're trying to shoot a million threes. They don't have one of these like isolation scores that's going to get you 30 a game. But if you watch them, they're dogs on defense, right? That must be what you like about
1: them. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I love... All the undrafted guys. Right. Guys I mean, they just, got like eight undrafted exactly. guys. Just coming there to work, diving on the floor, setting records for steals. Yeah, they're fun to watch. Yeah, I mean,
0: and Bam bio, he's kind of like what we're oh, talking yeah. about, right? He's an undersized post, so he gets exactly. it done. Just huge development. It uh, Should be interesting to see what happens in the uh, game tonight. What do you think? Because uh, this has been going back and forth. The Heat kind of got a lead that a lot of people didn't expect. I but know. uh But then the Celtics came back and smacked them last
1: game. Yeah, I got to rock with my team, the Heat. But uh, <coughs> that's... Anyone anyone could win that. Uh, anyone could win the finals, honestly. It's been a fun playoffs.
0: It is interesting, too, because it's only a matter of time before people start to recognize. Like, you can say, oh, this style's a flash in the pan or whatever, but, I mean, if the Heat go to the finals, that's two finals appearances in three years. Like, it's, it's pretty right. hard to deny how good that is, right? Exactly. Yeah, it should be interesting. Chase Williams breaking down all things sports with us here on Nuanas Now. He's a senior at Missoula Sentinel on his way to MIT Last question on the basketball front. What did you get out of playing basketball? Because um, I do think that more and more, unfortunately, in, in youth sports, people start to gravitate away from sports that they're not like pursuing at a high level. They're not pursuing at the college level. I guess is what I'm saying. Like playing varsity basketball is a high level for sure. But you do know You do know You know what I'm getting at. Uh, what do you think you got out of it, though? it What sort of things did it teach you, especially since maybe the senior year, not nearly as successful as football, but a lot of lessons come with that, right?
1: For sure. Uh, I think most coaches out there, even like college coaches recruiting, still encourage you to play multiple sports For sure. because it accesses all those different muscle groups, the, the things, the ways you're not used to moving, um, makes you think in a different way. but it also gives you another chance to compete. And if it's something like for me, I'm not quite as good as at basketball. I have to maybe compete even harder, right. To try and make up for that. And it's another, it's another season to compete in and another chance to be a Spartan. So it was a lot of fun.
0: Well, let's let's circle back to the, now your uh, journey cross country. You're going to report over there in August. So first I think that, uh, a lot of people know about MIT, but they don't maybe know all the details of what it's like. Have you been out there? And, mm-hmm. uh, and if so, what's the campus like? What's all that like?
1: Yeah, so I was out there about a month and a half ago for a little visit. Cool. Uh, it's a pretty big campus. It's like six 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 and a half uh, undergrad population.
0: Yep.
1: It's got that mix of a few, like, older big buildings, but then obviously all the modern technology. And, yeah, I think what really stands out there is the people, just nice, down-to-earth people who are really ambitious.
0: The it, it, there's such a prestige that comes with it, especially from the like engineering and math side of things at MIT. Do you have any idea what you want to go to school for there?
1: Yeah, so you don't have to declare a major until the end of your first year, but that's I'm good. Thinking.
0: So they let you kind of try out some stuff. Exactly. Which I'm class am I least likely to fail? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I shouldn't even say that. It's not even a good joke because I don't even think you're allowed to fail classes there. It's such a high level that I think everybody just has to be, figure out a way to pass. But anyways.
1: Uh, Yeah, but I'm thinking the business, uh, maybe finance route is where I'm headed.
0: Uh, What do you think of the challenge of this? Because obviously, good education, I was a little settled, but this is going to be a whole different level.
1: Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I think it's a challenge, but it's an opportunity also, right? So they're going to push you, but they're also going to help you get there. So I think ultimately it'll just allow me to do greater things
0: and the, from the football side of things uh what's the program all about uh, you know and what part of, the, of that excites you
1: uh yeah so i've really liked talking to the coaches and talking to some of my future teammates uh it seems like a great group that you know is focused on their academics but also wants to win football games right there's there's an, an expectation of success out there like they want to win the conference go to the playoffs so uh, it's a good competitive environment.
0: I'm interested to see uh, the, just how you how you like just being a part of that roster just because all the guys I know that have either played or coached Division II football, they all say the same thing in terms of what all of the athletes have in common, and that's their love of the game. Because it, it, it is a really good chance if you're going to a Division III school that you're a high academic guy, it's likely going to be a small and or private school, and... Uh, you're not on an athletic scholarship you are there to to take care of your studies but also you're participating in a high level of football that you really love so uh i I think that that's kind of the tie that binds i think there's a purity to it
1: yeah exactly i I think what's got to keep you there is the love of the game and the willing to commit because like you said you're not getting paid your school's not getting paid for by football at the d3 level so if you're out there it's because you love it and it's because you want to you want to be there playing football
0: Anything that you're nervous about, or anything that uh, you're wondering what this experience is going to be like moving across the country? I
1: mean, yeah, for sure. Living in living in a different place, living sure. in a different house that that'll be a new experience for me. But it's it's also something I'm excited for, and it'll be a good opportunity. Well,
0: you said you have some family out there too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. My my grandmother's out there, and my brother's down in New York, so I won't be too alone for sure.
0: Well, very interesting. It should be fun to follow everything for for you, whether it's uh, academically or Athletically, Chase Williams, continue our senior spotlight here on Nuanas Now, Chase is senior at Missoula Sentinel, our first in-studio senior spotlight of the year. So, appreciate Chase for swinging down. Uh, what's next in between now and then? You got a couple weeks left to high school, so uh, that's probably rapidly coming and maybe not even sunk in yet. But what's be- what's between now and when you leave for Massachusetts in August?
1: Yeah, so we got graduation and then the Shrine Game. We'll be oh, no, a very weeks cool. After that, that'll be a lot of fun. Where's the
0: Shrine Game this year?
1: Great Falls. Oh, cool. Okay. Yep. Uh, so that'll be super fun to play with all the guys I've been playing against all these past few years, and then uh, I've got you know. I've about a month and a half to train and work out and sort of get the, the last of my relaxing time in before before we before it's go time.
0: Well, it should be very fun, and uh, best of luck to you. We're very proud of you for thanks. all of you accomplished so far. And uh, thanks so much for swinging by, man. This was yeah. great.
1: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Senior Spotlight, Chase Williams, Missoula Sentinel Senior. Senior Spotlight presented by Murray Holmes. Appreciate Blaine and his staff for their support of all things high school sports here in western Montana and around the state of Montana. How about some free wings? How about some history lessons? We got both for you. On the other side, keep it right here. It's nuanas Now ESPN Radio. If you're ever injured in an accident and you're worried about if a lawyer is going to cost you too much money, the advocates, they will provide help for you. No out-of-pocket costs until your case is settled. You pass the stress of your accident off to the Advocates. That helps you focus on getting better. To find out how the Advocates can help you, you can call them free of charge, 406-640-4444 today. Or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an Advocate. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. The Lady Grizz dropped the bombshell of the Big Sky Conference offseason thus far by landing a transfer of one of the most accomplished point guards in the league. Hello, I am Coulter Duanez. Over the weekend, Gina Markson announced she is transferring to the University of Montana. Markson, a five-foot-eight point guard from Sammamish, Washington, was the Big Sky Freshman of the Year 2019 for the Idaho Vandals for earning all-conference honors the next two seasons. Markson was a first-team all-league pick in 2020 as a sophomore, helping lead Idaho to the Big Sky Tournament title game that was ultimately called off because of the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. Markson sat out the 2021-22 season for undisclosed reasons. She will play her final season with the Lady Grizz. The transfer portal kept churning for incoming and outgoing athletes from Montana and Montana State. Former Grizz basketball standout Derek Carter Hollinger has a new home. The 2019 Big Sky Freshman of the Year will transfer and play his final season at Bethune-Cookman. On the Montana State football front, wide receivers Charles Brown and Jaden Smith have found new homes in their home state of Texas. Brown will transfer to Texas State of the FBS while Smith will transfer to Tarleton State of the FCS. And finally, the Grizz men's hoops team landed two players over the weekend A.J. Moody, formerly of Southern Utah, and Jonathan Brown, a transfer from Central Methodist of the NAIA, a part of a group of nine new Grizz this offseason. This 102.9 ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. up, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Thanks so much for kicking it with us. It's ESPN Radio. And now? Maybe you're watching SWX Montana Television. I'm wearing my uh, throwback Missoula Osprey shirt because the Missoula Paddlehead season opens up this evening. So the first of a rapid-fire summer of baseball, 92 games in the next 105 days. We'll have each and every one of them home and away here on 1029 FM ESPN Missoula. Time now for the Wing It Wednesday, presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. We do this each and every Wednesday, giving you the opportunity to win a dozen wings from the Despo, the best wings in the city of Missoula, as voted on by you, the Missoula public, for many, many years in a row in the Best of Missoula uh, contests. Desperado located there by the Missoula Fairgrounds on Russell Street. Uh, if you want a dozen wings at the Despo, give us a call right now, 406-888-1029. That's 888 caller number four. You are going to be the proud winner of 12 Wings, courtesy of the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill, thanks to the Despo for their continued support. Let's have a little history lesson. For those that have been following along, The um, I have this great book. The 100 Greatest Sports Heroes by Mac Davis. It was published in 1954. So these are mostly from the first half of the 20th century. I just find this so fascinating because so many of these athletes in here I've heard of. Many of the ones I've heard of, though, it's a reminder rather than uh, a reaffirmation because it is sort of easy to forget when you're multiple generations removed. But then also many of these other athletes I've never heard of. So I just find it such an interesting dynamic of the way some legends continue to resonate. Others fade a little bit, but maintain if you're reminded of them. And then others still completely fade and and, uh, are not on the tip of your tongue. Whereas they might have been if you were sitting, you know, at a cocktail party in 1954. We're 70 pages into this. We're on the L's. It's in alphabetical order. So we're going to do a couple here today. Because for the first time ever, we're actually a little bit ahead of the game. Uh, the the first is Joe Lewis. I think that Joe Lewis is well-remembered. Uh, I think that Joe Lewis uh, has a distinct place in the history of, of uh, American sport and professional boxing. Joe Lewis was uh, the heavyweight champion of the world back in the uh, 1930s, like during the Great Depression, or I guess right after the Great Depression, And uh, he first won the heavyweight championship in 1936. Uh, He's also one of the first prominent African-American athletes uh, in our country's history. Uh, He sort of sits in that same realm as uh, Jack Johnson, who was another black boxer of that era. Sugar Ray Robinson was a little bit after that. Uh, Also a great uh, lightweight, middleweight-type boxer. And then, of course, Jesse Owens. uh, You also had Jim Thorpe of Native American heritage who was sort of a pioneer in uh, desegregating professional sports in America. But Joe Lewis, certainly one of the more prominent people that we've uh, highlighted in this book, and certainly one whose name, when you bring it up, his legend has not faded completely from the consciousness. Uh, Certainly one that is still... Even if it's in the back of people's minds, still there, though. Uh, so definitely not some, some anonymous or, or, I guess, not some learning lesson for us here today. A couple more for you. We're into the M's now. Connie Mack. Connie Mack was the uh, great coach. Uh, you know, first, he played for a really long time, and then he was a great manager. And uh, I, I think maybe even still is the all-time leader. In wins. I know Andrew, always, Andrew Houghton, our producer in the back, he always wants me to bring him in on the uh, the old school baseball guys. So uh, th- there's two here, Andrew, in the M's. You got Connie Mack and uh, then also Christy Matthewson. Christy Mathewson is a great example of what I'm talking about. Like, if you were asking our grandfathers or great grandfathers and you say Christy Matthewson, that would be like one of the guys that would be uh, right on the tip of their tongues from their era. One of the great players of the first part of the. The 20th century, but maybe somebody that isn't remembered as well now, because it has been probably a 100 years since he was uh, at the height of his powers, but both of those
2: guys, if you know baseball history, uh, names that have a lot of weight. That's right, Colter. I, I do believe Connie Mack is still the all-time leader in wins because he managed for four or five decades. Uh, he sort of built and also managed because that was what she did back then two of the really great teams um of the sort of first half of the century um the the philadelphia's had a, had a couple great teams with players like eddie collins who we've talked about in this book and then jimmy fox and lefty grove uh connie mack i think was the last manager to wear a suit or he was he was that was right. what was famous for yep yep uh, Christy Mathewson is also a really interesting character. He's uh, he's a guy who went to war, uh, like we talked about with Pete Alexander, but he was also an exemplar of just a really fascinating cast of characters or, or class of characters in sort of early baseball, or early you know, 1900s, 1910s baseball, as, as, as sports tend to be, was sort of a cross-section of America at the time. And, uh, you know, so for baseball, that meant a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, rough-and-tumble guys, uh, a lot of guys without a lot of education, um, and that sort of reflected itself in the game. I mean, the game was violent. The most famous teams of sort of the turns of the century were like John McGraw's Orioles teams that were right. famous for, you know, taking every advantage that they could get spiking people playing dirty, Ty Cobb, was sort of the the exemplar of a superstar of that time who was known to play aggressively and dirty at times. Christy Matheson went to Columbia. Christy Matheson was sort of one of a, f- a few players um, who really had an education and was sort of a gentleman counterpart to sort of the rough and tumble game at the time. Uh, Eddie Collins was another member of that group. Eddie Collins, I think, went to Fordham or Penn or something. Uh, but they were, you know, interesting guys trying to survive uh, in that early game. Uh, Christy Mathewson famously played for John McGraw's New York Giants team, and it's hard to imagine two two guys who were just more different. Uh, but they got along famously, and Christy Mathewson, of course, I believe through sh- three shutouts in one World Series uh, for John McGraw's Giants one year. So, just a, an interesting character.
0: Both uh, interesting characters to be sure. A couple more history lessons here on Nuanas now, pulling these out of my 1954 book, The 100 Greatest Sports Heroes. Uh, we're going to get through this during this calendar year. It's going to be fun. Uh, here's one that I hadn't heard of Bob Mathias. Bob Mathias is the king of the decathlon. He was one of the first great decathlons, in, or decathletes, I should say, in American history. Uh, he competed in the 1948 and 1952 Olympics. He was the first man to ever score over 7,000 points in the 10-event decathlon. And uh, even just looking at his marks some you know 70 years later, none are eye-poppingly crazy, but if you were to put all those together in today's decathlon, you'd still have a really competitive score. I mean, Matthias was running the 111.2 seconds, which is a good time, especially when you consider he could long jump more than 23 feet. He could throw the shot put almost 43 feet, um, and he could run the 400 in about 50 seconds flat. Again, each one of those is not like an insane time for a college-level track athlete. In fact, basically entry-level times if you were to specialize in those events. But... If you could do it all together, that's what gets the score up there. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if the scoring is still the same. Some almost 70 years later, 7,887 points is what Matthias had in the 1952 Olympics to win uh, the gold. Um, but if the if the uh, points are still applicable, that would still be very competitive uh, at the high Division one level or at the Olympic level. I think that decathletes now are, are probably scoring in the mid 8000s. So they've definitely taken it a step up, but uh just interesting to, to look back on uh, one of the first great decathletes. We'll do uh well actually this is funny. Here's it. one guy you touched on was was John McGran and he's one more down the road from the other guy Mickey Mantle, who is uh probably among the most prominent guys that we've highlighted in this so far. So interesting the way that the, the guys that played for the New York Yankees seem to have more residents as time has gone on than, than anybody. But also John McGraw was another one of these as well.
2: Yeah, do you, you want my
0: thoughts here, Coulter? Well, for, yeah, I mean, first of all, Mickey Mantle, I think, has a uh, almost completely unique legend in, in the history of baseball. Because of his unbelievable natural talent, he's like the mo- he's like the living version of the natural, basically. But then he also had so many weird injuries, and he's like the guy when you're talking to old timers at the bar about baseball. He's the guy where well, you know, modern technology. If guys knew about nutrition, how to take care of themselves, if we had good knee surgeries, the Mick would have been the guy, right? And he still was one of the great hitters of all time, one of the great switch hitters in the history of baseball.
2: Uh, He just has such a unique uh, place in the lore of the game. Yeah, Mickey Mantle was the guy who could do it all, Coulter. As you mentioned, he was a switch hitter, um, but also people will will swear um, before he had his knee injuries and his knee surgeries and his legs got all screwed up that he was the fastest player to ever play the game. Uh, He was sort of the the all-American boy because he came out of small-town Oklahoma, ended up playing for the New York Yankees, And he could do everything on a baseball field. He did end up hitting over 500 home runs. And you also, I think, uh, he was one of those guys who got, you know, lucky in terms of his timing and in terms of sort of his foils on the field because he had that great New York center fielder rivalry. Uh, with Willie Mays playing for the New York Giants and Duke Snyder playing for the Brooklyn Dodgers before both of those teams moved out west. So it's sort of like I know you and Justin Angle talked about Magic Johnson on the show the other day. It's sort of like Magic Johnson and Larry Bird coming out of uh, of college at the same time to have those three guys playing at such a high level in the same city, and I think that sort of burnished all of their legends. Yeah, Interesting more
0: history lessons to come but this has been a history lesson and a Wing it Wednesday presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill we'll keep highlighting some of these first half of the 21st or 20th excuse me century athletes so I do think it's important to know and remember it's also just fun uh, to sort of have that sort of stuff implemented into our dialogue and discussion the NCAA West Western Regional Outdoor Track and Field Championships underway in Fayetteville Arkansas an update on the athletes from Montana and Montana State that are participating, plus Lyle Weiss, the head coach of Montana State, joins us next, our Montana State Minute, NCAA West Regional Track Style, coming at you. Keep it right here, Nuana's Now, ESPN Radio. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally.
3: now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
0: What's up, Montana? Welcome back. New is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, or maybe the ESPN Montana app. No matter how you are listening, watching, appreciate you being here. It's that time of year. We're wrapping up the academic calendar as well as spring sports, and that's uh, kind of time for that summer reset. Have no fear. We'll obviously be bringing you the best in sports talk radio throughout the summer, but so much of what we cover rotates around the school year because we have such a high emphasis on both high school and college sports. So we have the uh, the state softball tournaments this weekend. We have the state track and field tournaments this weekend at the prep level here in Montana. And right now today, the NCAA West Regional Track Meet featuring athletes from both Montana and Montana State are also underway. Two events in the books from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Just men's events here on your Wednesday. Women's events only on Thursday. And then a smattering of both men's and women's on Friday and Saturday as well. The men's hammer throw occurred today. Matt Ward from Montana. He's a junior. His best throw, 204 feet, 3 inches. That was good enough for 25th place in the forty-eight competitor field. The only Big Sky guys that finished ahead of him, Grady Leonard of Idaho, finished 24th. Uh, so just one spot ahead of him. And that was it. The winning throw, 229 feet 4 inches by Logan Bloomquist of southeast Missouri. The only other event that's in the books so far is the men's javelin. And there was four uh, athletes with Montana ties participating in this. Cantor Coverdale the top finisher, he finished 19th Montana State. His throw, 212 feet and 2 inches. Uh, Evan Todd, who was the Big Sky champion in the event, a Kalispell Glacier product, and a University of Montana sophomore, he finished 25th, and uh, then he also had Cooper Hoffman of MSU uh, came in at 37th, and Matthew Hockett of Montana came in 41st. So, uh, Okay, showing from those guys at the NCAA West Regional Track and Field Championships in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Well, happy now for our latest edition of the Montana State Minute. So often, Alex Esselman from SWX Montana Television joins us at least once a week here. It is the NCAA West Regional Track and Field Championships. Fayetteville, Arkansas they begin today. They've actually been going as you're listening to this. But we're recording this here on a Wednesday morning. Uh, Montana State, 17 different athletes at the West Regionals. 12 men, 5 women. Lyle East, the head coach of the Montana State Track and Field Program, joins us now. And Coach, congratulations on all the success. 17 is an astounding number. I've covered Big Sky Conference sports for a long time now and uh, this is by far the most I've ever seen go to a regional meet so you guys must be very excited to be uh, on the national stage and in Fayetteville.
3: Yeah, we are really excited to be here at the uh, West Region and to have uh, such a large crew, so we can't wait to get started. We're,
0: we're excited what, to see what we can do. Well, it's a little interesting because you and I are talking about four hours before the Javelin begins, and you guys have two competitors in the Javelin, Canton, Cantor Coverdale and, and Cooper Hoffman, but that event will be finished in the book, so we'll give people an update on that uh, before we start playing this one, but um, just talk broadly about what it's taking to get to this point, because track and field, an individual and a team sport at the same time, you guys had such a great performance at the outdoor championships last week second place both the men's and women's side i think that was the first time in 10 years the bobcats have placed second on each side so what has all gone into just sort of the building up of this track program on State's always had good track and field tradition but you, you guys seem to have this program really humming along right now
3: yeah i think uh, it uh, is really a story about development um because so many of the athletes we have here at the West region have been in the program for a number of years and have just kept improving and have gotten, you know, from, or have gone from, you know, being competitive at the conference level to being competitive at the top of the conference level and now uh, being competitive, you know, at the, at the very top of the NCA level. So I think, yeah, we're really focusing on development and, uh
0: having the student-athletes in our program improve. It's easy to say, you know, you want to get guys to, and, and young ladies as well to be nationally competitive, but how do you instill that sense of belief in the kids? Because it, it just seems like not only is the, the training and the development working, but mentally they, they seem like they're chasing these lofty goals as well. I mean, they, they, the the goals seem realistic to them. How do you, have you been able to instill that in them? Well, I think uh,
3: we have uh, a great coaching staff, a great uh, Uh, assistant coaches, so I'm super, super fortunate there, and then we also have great leadership on the team, and we've had, you know, those individuals um, break through throughout the years, and I think it's kind of becoming, you know, that uh, rolling uh, downhill where, you know, others are joining in, and now, you know, we're going from, you know, 8 to 12 to 17 uh, at the
0: at the West Region. Well, we're joining us, Montana State track and field. The NCAA West Regional begins today, Fayetteville, Arkansas, 17 Bobcats, a school record at the NCAA West Regional. And uh, speaking of development, one young lady who has just exploded onto the scene, she's been good, uh, very good at Montana State the last couple of years, but now she's become elite and one of the best Runners and jumpers in the program's history, and that's Elena Carter. She had such a great indoor championship, and then she did, she won up herself and had such an outstanding outdoor championship, running school records in the 100 meters and the 100 meter hurdles. Uh, going over 20 feet in the long jump. So it seems like uh, she is really peaking at the right time. What are all the factors that have gone into her development? Because she came out of Helena Capital High School, a good high school track athlete, but she's become regionally elite and uh, incredibly competitive, one of the best Montana State's had in those events. To
3: see Elena's development over the last year especially has been uh, just incredibly exciting. Um, And to see it in different events so she's running she's always um, been really good at the long jump and the hurdles and now she's really extended that to running well in a hundred meters as well so yeah for her to go to the conference championships and win two uh, two events and then be second in another was really pretty incredible Um, and I think it just shows like how her level of dedication and how into track and field and making the very most of it uh, she is so so much of it is um just you know how her level of commitment and everything that she puts into it
0: like in car three different events on thursday so it'll be a heavy load for her uh, set to run in the prelims of the 100 meter hurdles at 5 p.m then the 100 meters at 6 p.m And the long jump also gets started about 6 p.m. as well. So uh, how do you go about devising a strategy to manage that? Because, I mean, that's intense. You're talking all three events she's doing are all in the span of like an hour uh, on the same day.
3: Yeah, luckily, um, she's had a lot of experience with it this year, competing in multiple events going on at the same time, or at least the warm-ups in the same time. So it's something that she's familiar with and that, yeah, it won't be unusual for her here uh, to be, you know, warming up, competing, warming up, going on to the next event, changing shoes, all that type of stuff.
0: And when uh, the 100-meter hurdles begin at 5 p.m., there'll be two Montana State women there. Morgan Evans, also a Montana native of Great Falls product, also qualified in the event. And Elena Carter was on the show last week talking about how much just having uh, a, a an elite training partner has helped her. But from your perspective, I mean, Both of those young ladies have been two of the better hurdlers Montana State's ever had, both simultaneously. So how do you think they sort of help spur each other on? I think that it helps so much to have a training partner. So those
3: two have really benefited from training uh, with each other. And they also, you know, just... um, build off of each other so well so yeah I think that um, in any event group or any event to have a teammate that's pushing you uh, is really helpful and beneficial.
0: Well we joining us Montana State track and field the NCAA West Regionals underway Fayetteville Arkansas 17 Bobcats there this is the Montana State Minute you're listening to Nuanas now ESPN Radio maybe watching SWX Montana Television or on the new ESPN Montana app thanks so much for being here no matter how you're tuning in we also got to talk about Lucy Corbett, coach. She has been uh, peerless in the high jump forever. I mean, it basically says she became a Bobcat, and now I think five Big Sky titles under her belt between indoor and outdoor. But she seems to also continue to, to push the plateau. Sometimes when you have elite high jumpers, they get to this mark that no one else in the conference can match, but they can't really break through it themselves. But she's been able to keep climbing the ladder, and now she comes into this meet with one of the top jumps in the entire region. So, What sort of things have you guys done with her training, and and what have you thought of just her ability to continue to sort of break through that ceiling and push her mark higher and higher? Uh, Coach uh, Seahos has done an incredible
3: job um, pushing Lucy to that next level. And then Lucy's, um, yeah, just so committed and has put so much into it over the years. Um, And to see her... Break through from you know being very good in the NCA to being one of the very very best in the NCA has been uh, so exciting. Um, so yeah, I think it's a lot of hard work on Lucy's part and great guidance by Coach Seahouse, Um that is that, that's taken her to that next level.
0: And the last thing I got to ask you about before we get to some of the guys uh, that will compete in this meet this weekend is Alex Hellenberg. She shared most valuable athlete award. With Atlanta Carter at the Big Sky Outdoor Championships, um, she did exactly what I think people thought she was going to do, or at least maybe even exceeded expectations. But, but she was very good in the triple jump and the and the uh, the pole vault. But also came in and got you a silver medal in the the long jump as well. So I know she's competing in the triple and the the pole vault this weekend. Uh, but just talk about her a little bit because it seems like she's really going out on top in, in her fifth and final season with Montana State. Yeah, um, Alex
3: is uh, just one of the very um, special uh, student-athletes that we've ever had in our program. She's just always been so helpful uh, and such a great teammate. Um, She's always, uh, when we go on a bus trip, she's the one that always stays till the very end, makes sure that everything's good with the bus, the bus is cleaned up. So she's just a very uh, thoughtful person. And to see her... Uh, breakthrough to just an incredible level. Uh, this outdoor season has been super exciting. Um, to I'm pretty sure she had not been all conference and then to go to the outdoor championships and win two gold medals and a silver medal in the same meet was just uh, amazing and incredible. So um, she definitely deserves it. Just a, a super, super incredible, um, student-athlete, and we're so proud
0: of her. It's a great story, and uh, it's awesome to see when, when the training does culminate and kids can seize the moment like she has. So let's talk about some of the uh, the men here. First and foremost, you yourself, you are an outstanding distance runner, an outstanding steeplechase runner there at Montana State. And on the men's side, that might be the event to watch, Friday, 440 p.m., Duncan Hamilton, who has the top steeplechase time in the entire region, and Levi Taylor, who's also in the top 10 in the event in the region, they will run at 4.40 p.m., and, uh, Coach, I know I, I've been trying to push this on all of our listeners, but this has become must-watch TV for me. Every time Duncan Hamilton's competing, i got to see what this kid's going to do because he is so fun to watch. He is a, such an unbelievable athlete. It's just crazy, some of the stuff he does. Like, when I was watching with the Big Sky meet, I mean, how long was between the Staple and the 1,500 prelims? Like, f- maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes? It was crazy watching the turnaround he's had. But now he gets to actually compete in just a single event uh, with – what's sure to be a really fast field. So uh, what do you think of of just this race? And what have you thought of just his ability to sort of trademark this race, make it his own and and become one of the great steeplechase runners in the history of the Big Sky Conference? He, Duncan, just has a lot of confidence uh, in his ability, and he
3: always competes with composure. So, yeah, winning a conference championship as a as a true freshman, um, and then following that up and just building from there to now where he's one of the, um, one of the the small group of individuals that has a chance to win an NCAA title in the three K steeplechase. And that is kind of like what we talked about earlier, uh, teammates training together. That has really helped the rest of the men's distance runners, um, just knowing that they're training with him and he's one of the better distance runners in the NCAA. Has really helped some of our other guys. So, and Duncan same. He, Levi Taylor will be in there, and he's also one of the faster times in the country. I think he's maybe 12th or 15th or something overall in the country, and has a chance to move on to the NCAA championships as well.
0: Sometimes when you're watching like like the the outdoor championships, and especially in the distances, because the Northern Arizona runners and Utah yeah, State's runners, and a lot of runners from around the Big Sky Conference, especially in men's distance are so nationally elite or regionally ranked already. So sometimes the the races at the actual outdoors, there's a lot of strategy that's going in there. I mean, like we saw it in, in like the 5K, uh, the Abdi Nur kid from Northern Arizona, I mean, he ran about a minute slower than he had run earlier in the year just because of the jacking of the, the pack and sort of the strategy in the race. So how does that part work? Because... I think that these athletes they want to go and and peak at the the highest level that they possibly can. So I mean, how do you go into a meet like this, this regional championship? Uh, you know, are you chasing your personal best time? Or are you just trying to run with the pack? How does that sort of work when you're uh, on this big stage? Yeah,
3: I think most people are just trying to give themselves the very best chance to advance to the to the next round to uh, Eugene. So. Um, I think most people are not too worried about their time or mark. Um, it, it might be that some runners go uh, fast right from the start because that gives them the, they feel that gives them the best chance of advancing and some others may kind of hang back, push halfway through and some may wait till the very end of the race. So it is really uh, interesting to see the different strategies um, that people will use, uh, especially at this uh,
0: regional round. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Last question on, on the steeplechase, guys, because I know that you had a lot of experience in the event when you, during your time as an athlete as well. What does it take to be an elite steeplechase runner? Because it is such, it's such an unorthodox and different event than almost any other event in track and field.
3: You obviously have to be a pretty uh, good hurdler. Um, and then you have to be really strong aerobically um also you need to have a little bit of speed so generally those that are good at the mile or 1500 tend to do really well in the steeplechase and um i don't know how to else to describe other than there's just like uh, the, it's a kind of a specific fatigue of the jumping and maybe right. more so the landing again and again uh, so some people just kind of take to it right away and some sometimes people would not the best hurdling form they somehow um, what they do works for them so yeah it's it's definitely unique and you know almost two miles with 35 barriers seven water pits
0: um, yeah, i you seen him commit for sure. Well, the total number of, of MSU athletes that are here here's the men that are going crispy and keeny, who runs in the uh 800 meters, 650 tonight, Cantor Coverdale and uh Cooper Hoffman, both in the javelin. We'll give you those results when we can, Ian Fosdick in the triple jump. Duncan Hamilton and Levi Taylor in the steeplechase. Alex Neary in Manhattan product in the shot put Derek Olson in the 110 hurdles. Ben Perrin, Derek Olson, by the way, from Helena. Ben Perrin uh, out of Kalispell, runs in the 5,000 meters on Friday night. And uh, Kobe Wilson in the pole vault this evening, 530. So that gets started here in a little while. Two last questions for you, Coach. One I want to ask you about Kobe Wilson because he had one of the great vaults we've seen and uh, has really been pushing some of Montana State school record there. Uh, But then he didn't have a height in the uh, outdoor championships, but he still qualifies for regionals. So uh, probably a little bit of a redemption here for him. But also, I mean, how do you hope he performs or how do you hope he goes out and sort of uh, uses this extra performance for himself? Yeah,
3: I know that uh, Colby will be super motivated after having a challenging uh, Big Sky conference meet. Um, but, yeah, he is also a guy that to, is, tends to be really composed um, and have a great mindset for competing. So I think he'll bounce back and have have a great meet uh, here. He has a really, um, really good chance of advancing on to Eugene. And, you know, he's right there at the all-time uh, best mark in the conference, which I believe is Josh Wirtz from Montana State at uh right around 18 feet so yeah exciting that kobe is doing that when this is just his uh second year here at msu and we'll
0: have a, an eye on all of this stuff but the the races that i'm uh, the events i'm really looking forward to uh, watching the athletes compete are the, the the women's side jump of course with lucy corbett that steeplechase that we just talked about and then tonight at 7 20 p.m the prelims of the 400-meter hurdles. And Drake Schneider, a guy that joined us last week, a guy that's joined us many times on this show because he's had such an outstanding career at Montana State. He runs... And, uh, Coach, i got to say, that that race at the Outdoor Championships where he broke 50 seconds in the 400 hurdles was jaw-dropping. I didn't even know that. Mark was really even possible for a Big Sky athlete, and he went out and did it. So uh, you must love just the way that he's been able to conduct himself throughout his career because he's such a smart kid. He's got so much swagger and confidence, and uh, he's just crushing these records as, as his career winds down. So this is going to be an event to watch for sure. How do you hope maybe the elevated competition helps spur him on? The, the conference championship was just just unbelievable. He'd um,
3: run under 50 seconds a couple times, but he went from there into the final at conference to running in the low 49s. I think it was like uh, 7 tenths of a second uh, PR, which is just uh, huge, and it qualified him for the U.S. championships. Uh, So that was definitely an incredible race, and, and in a career full of breakthroughs, that was another breakthrough uh race for him so yeah we i know he's super excited to get to compete today um get through the rounds today and then um compete again on friday and work towards qualifying for the ncaa finals in
0: team. the montana state minute with lyle weiss the head coach of the montana state track and field programs 17 bobcats at the ncaa west regionals we'll have updates for you On all those athletes, plus some Big Sky athletes and some Grizz athletes. We're up against it. Free wings on the other side. Keep it right here. Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. The Advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that the Advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406-640-4444 today or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate.